This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 803, with returning guest Susie Pettit. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 803. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Susie Pettit has been helping women live lives they love for over 20 years. She's the podcast host of the Love Your Life show. She offers the super successful Parenting Teens Survival Course and runs a monthly membership for Midlife Warriors. She's a certified parent life and wellness coach and a mom of five sons, ages 18 to 25. Susie helps women live lives that feel as good on the inside as they look on the outside. She spent more than half her life living a life she did not love as a people pleaser and codependent perfectionist in constant pursuit of a Martyr of the Year award. She has a breadth of experience to teach firsthand about setting healthy boundaries, beating your own inner critic, conscious parenting, and how to use mindfulness-based tools to beat overwhelm and anxiety. Susie's rejoining us for her second time on the show. I absolutely loved our first episode, our first interview together, and I was so excited to have the opportunity to have Susie come back and talk really specifically this time around codependent parenting, especially as it relates to parenting tweens and teens. So if you don't have a tween or teen, you're still going to get a lot out of this because codependent parenting can happen at any age. But we do in the more second part of the episode or the interview, we do dig into more that tween and teen component, which is really, really helpful maybe because I'm in that (laughs) part of my life right now. But it's also really interesting to start to look into ourselves as humans and then assessing how that aligns or doesn't align with ourselves as parents and recognizing where sometimes there's some work that we need to do in order to do things in a more thoughtful way that can be more beneficial, more mutually beneficial in our parenting relationship. So I'm super, super excited to dig into this conversation with Susie. Listen in to hear Susie share the benefits of parenting with faith in the universe over fearing everything, what codependent parenting looks like. You might end up checking yourself a little bit with this explanation. I know I did. She digs into steps to raise more confident, less anxious kids. She talks about the importance of parenting your tweens, teens, and young adults differently than you parented your zero to nine-year-olds, specifically moving more from the role of manager to consultant. This was such a helpful delineation for me, so I think you're going to really like this piece of the conversation. Then Susie shares your three most important jobs as a parent, 
And I'm telling you, these are really simple and they will make your job easier because you might be overcomplicating things. And this gives you something to return to as well when you're like in a moment of tough parenting. From there, we talk about assumptions that parents can make that lead to unnecessary conflict or drama in the house. And Susie shares her five pillars of parenting teens, which I really, really loved. And I know I'm like holding close to my heart now as I enter this world of parenting an 11 year old. So you're going to love this conversation. You are probably going to have to listen more than once as your kid is in different stages and ages. And so feel free to like flag this one to come back to every few years. But with all that said, I know you're going to love this. I know you're going to get out of a lot out of it. And please join me in welcoming Susie Pettit back to the Shameless Mom Academy. Susie, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm so glad to be back here. And I have to thank you for showing up for this conversation because it is 6.45 your time in Australia. It's 12.45 PM at my house. So we, I just ate lunch with Vinny who's home sick today and you are like, still I still waking get to up enjoy my coffee. Like I, I know. <laughs> it's it's all just fun. getting started. Just getting started for me. It's Thursday, but for you, it's already Friday. So happy uh, Friday. Yeah. I'm bringing in the energy of Friday. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you reached out to me, you were on the show a few years ago. Now I've lost track of time, but we had a fantastic conversation and you reached out and you were like, Hey, any thoughts on a follow-up conversation related to parenting teens? Mm. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because not only am I entering this zone myself, but when I look at our most downloaded episodes in the last couple of years, a lot of them are the ones where we talk about parenting teens. So I know just so many people in my audience, whether they're there or not, or on the precipice, like I am, or they have two-year-olds and they're just like, oh my God, what's coming. This will be a really, really helpful conversation. So I'm so excited to dig in. I am too. I'm thrilled. So let's start off where we always begin and tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. You know, what I'm most excited about is seeing the tools that I've been teaching and coaching and helping other families, you know, sort of come to life in their family, come to life in my family. This is my first year as an empty nester. I have five sons. My youngest graduated in June from high school. He launched. I flew out to the other side of the world (laughs) to Australia. So it's sort of a double, like I'm a new empty nester. So that's exciting. I'm living in a new country, literally on the other side of the world. I was born and raised in sort of the Northeast and then raised my kids in the state of Virginia and now living on the East coast of Australia, which is, if you put a pin in it, those are literally the other side (laughs) of the world. (laughs) So that's exciting and fun and I call it skited, scary, like scary, excited. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I'm getting to witness, you know, all the tools that I have taught and studied and researched on how to raise confident and resilient kids manifesting in my own kids' lives as we're all sort of in this, several of us are, you know, I have five sons and four of us are sort of in this trying something new. Like one of my sons has a new job. One of my sons is a freshman in college. I'm new on this other side. And we're all just sort of like, okay, so it's going to feel uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) and seeing it all happen. So that it's super exciting and nauseating. (laughs) Yes. It's so interesting. I think that when you have little littles and you imagine having for yeah. you five kids, um, mm-hmm. 18 years old and launched out of the nest, it seems, I think when it's that, when it's far away for you, it can feel like then they'll just like be gone and I'll be kind of free. Mm-hmm. But I'm sensing when I hear parents with, who do have children that age, that it's like, there's like physical freedom. Like they're not right there with you, but the ways that you invest in that parental relationship still carry a lot of weight and often a lot of intensity because there's so much that I want to say kids, but young adults are navigating. They're always our kids, right? Mm-hmm. But our kids slash young adults are navigating in that time that you're still very much parenting and mothering. Right. And which is why it is so important. Some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today, because if the, where we get into trouble is when we are over-parenting or over-mothering in the teen years, and then that leads into the parenting years. And so you see, I support a lot of women in this emptiness phase. Also, I support a lot of women who, I guess, deal with codependency. 
this, you know, Mm -hmm. like this over involvement in what other people are thinking and feeling in their life experiences. And that shows up big time with our kids. So if we haven't been practicing that and learning what I sort of call one of the main tools for parenting teens, which is lovingly detached. Like if we haven't been practicing that loving detachment from our kids, we can go into this next stage of parenting, really sort of making our kids feel responsible that they're, you know, there for our happiness. But also we are, you know, as moms who we've like invested all this time and energy, we're like, wait a minute, what about me? So it's really helpful to wherever your kids are to keep learning and having, you know, just having this kindness with yourself that you don't know. So let's keep learning. Let's keep digging. Like, what is it like to raise a teenager? What's the best way to do that? And what are some things that are, can be helpful for me? So we don't fall into sort of codependent patterns that aren't helpful for us or our kids. Yes. Yes. I'm going to ask you to dig into codependency in just a minute, but before <laughs> we do that, I want to, cause this will, I think segue us right into it. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your cognitive based mindfulness coach? So can you just explain a little bit about what that means before we get started? Cause I think that'll help kind of frame where we're going. Yeah. So cognitive part is just recognizing it's sort of the emotional intelligence part, recognizing that the way we think drives how we feel and act. So that is going to impact our parenting big fold. And so the mindfulness part is being aware of how we're thinking. If we can be aware of how we're thinking and we're not just thinking that it's fact, we can react a lot differently. So say your son comes home, you know, from school and is like, you know, the friends wouldn't, whatever age they are, my friends wouldn't play with me at, you know, recess or gym or after school at the park. If you're aware of your thoughts, so you take a pause and you're like, you know, able to think like, okay, nothing's going wrong here. This is normal for kids. You know, what's going on? And you're then feeling calm. The way you parent is going to be different than how I parented for many years. If my kid came home, I would go into like alarm state, like, oh my God, trouble. Okay. Wait, who didn't play with you at recess? What are their parents say? Okay. And I'm going to, so can I call the principal? Like, you know, and this like right, total right. drop, like that's a very different kind of parent. So using yeah. the tool two pieces of that, you know, backbone of my coaching together, the cognitive that our thoughts create, how, you know, really drive our feelings and action, and then also to be aware of it. So it's hugely helpful. (laughs) So helpful. So helpful. So how do the thoughts we think about parenting impact our teens? In every way. I mean, they really do. Our kids, you know, our kids are looking to us to be sort of that like calm presence. And if they are, you know, we know a lot of brain science that we're also like our energy is contagious. So say they do come home with that example and they, you know, none of their friends played with them or they didn't sit with them at the lunch table and you just jump right into their anxiety state of, ah, you know, and and drama that's really impactful to them. And that is, you know, that can very much create some anxiety in that child. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I thought this was a problem. And here is this adult you know, mirroring back that it's a problem. Holy moly. So one thing I like to do with parents to keep it real simple, because there's a lot of other things going on in our lives is to look at our feeling states and the thoughts that we're thinking as sort of going into two buckets. Is is it fear and anxiety or is it faith and love? So sort of back to that Mm. course of miracles, like, is it love or fear or is it, I like faith or fear. And so that can get really clear in terms of, you know, say our kid comes home with this, you know, no one picked them for the team after school or whatever. And if we're thinking thoughts that are coming from a place of faith, like, and much calmer, like, okay, you know, these things happen and this is, this must be the experience he needs right now. And let's see, we can be calmer and we can meet our kid as a parent and be like, oh, tell me, you know, tell me how that felt, what was going on and just, and not like sort of ignite and take this it to the next level. Whereas if we're thinking a thought that is, generating a feeling of fear and like, you know, we're going to say things like, oh my God, you know, like, what are we going to do? Like, what should we do tomorrow? We're going to try to like fix it or maybe talk them out of it. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters. And they're specifically designed to combat 
chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I think this is so relatable, what you're talking about in terms of our thoughts around parenting, our potential propensity toward enmeshment with parenting. Mm-hmm. So I want to circle back to the word codependent, which you used a couple of times earlier. And can you talk a little bit about what that means in a parenting relationship and what it might look like? And you've touched on it a little bit um, already and given some examples, but I think that that, I think the word, the term codependency is something that I think we're hearing more and more about, but we haven't talked about it in terms of parenting on this show. And I think that might be mm-hmm. helpful for our listeners. Yeah. Codependency is sort of the over-involvement in other people's feeling states or experiences. So as a mom, this can show up as almost feeling the feelings that your kid is having. So when your kid comes home from school and says they weren't chosen for the team, like it's almost like you can feel it in your body. Like you're making it about you and this, and we need to slow that down so that we can remain in that lovingly detached place that we can have compassion and empathy for them, but that we aren't involved in it with them because that's when their emotions become contagious. And that's where I see sort of like kids getting more anxious or less confident. I mean, one of my skills as a coach is I help parents raise more confident, less anxious kids. Those are the two feet. That's the two feedback I get just routinely that like they're more confident, less anxious. When we are coming from, our thoughts are coming from a place of faith, like they've got this, they'll figure it out. They'll, you know, and we don't need to sort of codependently latch on and fix it for them. That's what breeds confidence. That's where they, like, they get the message from us. Like, you've got this, like, oh my God, that stinks that no one chose you for the team. And that's hard, but there's nothing wrong with you. Like you Mm -hmm. versus us maybe feeling codependent feeling like, oh my God, there's something here for me to fix. Like we're feeling too strongly their emotions. And so then we just latch in and then we really don't have that mindful space 
to parent in a way that is in our best interest or their best interest. I, I actually have a, it might be helpful for your listeners. I have a questionnaire that says, how codependent are you? <laughs> That we can put in the show notes. Yeah, we will link to that in the show notes. So slash coda, C-O-D-A, which is, yeah, which is just interesting to see because codependency got not a bad name, but it first was invented sort of around addiction in terms of, um, and so some people still link it with addiction, but I just, I see it in myself quite differently in that I was taught as a young child that I was responsible for other people's feelings. And that's sort of the generation I am that, you know, like don't make dad sad or these, this, like be a good girl, you know, hug grandma or else grandma's going to get set. That's a kind of codependency. Grandma's not going to get upset if grandma's not thinking thoughts that make her upset. So like us being codependent is like your behavior impacts our feelings. We're skipping the whole line where our brain (laughs) fires a thought and like our, you know, first it's the think, feel, act cycle. So first the thought comes. So you don't have grandma. Grandma has a thought like, oh my God, my kid doesn't, you know, my grandkid doesn't love me. And then she feels sad. Okay. Or grandma might think, oh, yay, my granddaughter has taught my son, you know, grandson to like speak up for himself and do what he wants to do. And she feels like proud that her grandson isn't doing the, you know, whatever. But it's, it's codependency is sort of taking that, the T line out of the emotional intelligence, which I just want to say, if anyone's listening and they're like, oh my God, this is me. That's okay. When most of the listeners, we weren't taught emotional. They didn't even know about emotional right. intelligence it was, until the late 90s. It was like not a phrase. It was not no. a word. It was not a term. They didn't it was not, know. Yeah. They flat out were like, no. And so our, a lot of us were parented in that way and that we were responsible for other people's feelings. So of course, when we're moving forward into our own parenting relationship, if we are not stopping and listening to podcasts like yours and mine and you know doing some of them, how would we know? It's no shame, which is why I love your shameless mom, because we can't make changes from shame. It's just, it's like, oh, look at that. I guess I am pretty codependent. I scored a nine out of 10 on Susie's codependency. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) wait, is there extra credit? Like, is it possible to give them 11 out of 10? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, This is so relatable because I, and I think that other listeners will be in the situation when you're in this, like in between space, like I am with Vinny being 10. And there was a time when like communication had to run through me or like, it just didn't mm, happen yes. at all. Right. Yeah. When we have really little kids and now there is a lot of reasons and seasons and places and spaces for him to like manage his own communication. And for me, I mean, your example about like not getting picked for the thing at recess or the game or the team or whatever is such a great example. And I, have had conversations with a couple different moms lately around like, let's try to step back and not over parent or not mm. let our, and it's funny because one mom in particular who I had such a fantastic relationship with. And she's like, she's like, I think it's important for parents like us who are like a little, you know, empathic, which maybe would be yes. another word for codependent, but she was yeah. like a little empathic. She's like, to not try to take on all of our kids' feelings so that we can really let them like manage it on their own so that we're not carrying it around. And I, you're, point around how we can mirror back our kids' anxiety to them really quickly. When we let something escalate because they tell us something, we get fired up, we get engaged. We're like, I'm telling the teacher, I'm telling the principal, I'm telling all the other parents. And all of a sudden now it is this big thing. And your kid might've otherwise been over it in like three and a half minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's really hard. And that carrying it around that you're speaking of, like the emotion and that it is this empathetic, you know, a lot of us empathetic people come from this belief like that we had to sort of tiptoe around other people in our life to see what they're feeling like. So it just makes sense that we're very attuned to people's feelings. And yet that feels very heavy. And that is why I love listeners listening into your show, that that's something that we start shifting out of once our kids are around, you know, the ages of nine to 11 up until 25. And it gives you it just feels lighter is what I can report. Because absolutely, when they're younger, like even take the sock example, Sarah, like, if you were not changing his socks when he was seven, like that is on you. Like, it's like, come on, like that's part of our job. And like, you know, if you're like, you have to hold their hand, whether they want it or not, when you're crossing the road, when they're four, like, otherwise, you know, you're going to get pulled up in child protective services or like there's a, but if we continue with that, if we continue with that, when they're, you know, the four-year-old and the 14-year-old, we're like, oh, did you talk to your bio teacher today? Or did you do this? Did you do that? And we're just, they're relying on us to manage their life, one, they're getting this signal, like they're catching our anxiety. Oh my God, you're not doing it right. Like, oh, like this, like fear Two, 
that's not a confidence builder. Like we're like, oh, yeah. you know, they them saying, oh, I forgot to talk to the biology teacher today. You're like, oh, that's a bummer. I wonder why. You get them into the problem solving mode. Like what we want to yeah. do as a parent between 10 and 25 is start to shift like between zero to nine we really are their brain for them. Like we're problem solving. We're, you know, thinking that we're using those like higher level thinking skills in that, in between that next stage of development, we want to start shifting that to them. Feels incredibly uncomfortable for us because they're not going to do it our way, <laughs> Yeah, but it yeah. is the building block for our kids learning like, okay, you can do it. And they're, you know, getting that confidence piece. It's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And doable. <laughs> That's the, the important addendum. And it is. Yeah. It's actually easier, but we like make it feel worse. It feels like it would be harder. Like we, yeah. if you don't yeah. have someone like me or you or someone being like, no, this is fine. Like, because, because basically if we move into it sort of in this robotic, like we keep doing what we've been doing, we just do it harder, which is what I see a lot of happening. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And we see that around us and we see the parents, you know, it's contagious for us too. Like the moms, you know, middle school or high school you're in, you know, the basketball team, they're like, oh, did you get the form for the, this and the, that, and you're like, I can feel the anxiety mounting in my chest when I'm hearing that sort of stuff. So it is important for moms and dads to get the message. Like you're doing nothing wrong. Like this is what we, we need them. I guess this is a good point to point out why we want to move away from codependency now. And it is because there are consequences to their actions, but the consequences to their actions when they are, you know, under 20 and in the house with us are much less than the consequences when they're out of the house. So say they don't get back to the bio teacher or they don't turn in their test, you know, whatever, or they don't, you know, that's very different than them not turning in a work email or a work at, like they might get fired. They might lose their job. They might versus like you get a little reprimand from the biology teacher that they feel and it's uncomfortable for us. We're like, ah, but moving on. Right. Right. That makes so much sense. So when we first started talking about doing this interview, one of the things you said you addressed is kind of a topic for us to dig into, which I thought was so helpful. And you've alluded to a little bit already is that you said a lot of parents try to parent their tweens, teens, and young adults, the same way they parent their zero to nine-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so, and right when I, I was right when you had that in our notes, I was like, oh my gosh, it hadn't like, I knew that like my child was moving into a different developmental phase, but I hadn't considered that that means that parenting moves into mm-hmm. a different development yeah. phase. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. Such a helpful highlight. And I would love for you to kind of dig into that. Why is that dangerous? And you just said like parents, instead of evolving, they just try to go harder mm-hmm. on the stuff yeah. that they did from zero to nine. So can you talk about that? Yeah. And I just have compassion for parents. Like we very much, it's this like, oh my gosh, we don't know what to do. So then we just sort of double down on what we've been doing, or we look around us and I'm just going to say like, there is another way. So, so the parenting kids differently and they are in a different stage and I like making it easy for parents again. So once around like nine to 11, they enter a new stage of it called individuation where they literally like they're trying to figure out who they are as individuals to push against us. I don't know if any moms of little kids, like say a seven-year-old, this happened to me quite frequently with my sons, where they would come home from something and like a birthday party and be talking to you and being like, you know, yeah, well, you know, like what Joey did, almost as if you were there with them. Like they don't see themselves as an individual from you in that younger stage. They still are sort of this Mm -hmm. family unit. It's all together. That starts to change when it's nine to 11, as it should. And so they want to push against you and figure out who they are. If the home is a safe place, that's what they're going to do. They're going to, it feels, I mean, that's where we get this, like, oh my God, you have a preteen girl. Like, oh, that's because like she needs to push against and see how she's different. As a parent, the changes we want to see happen in that change, in that shift is we go from sort of being the boss and the, the manager of everything. And like, do you have your socks on? Do you have your field trip ship? And we move more into the consultant. And so we move more into this role where we're there. We're like the supportive staff. It can feel almost like we're fired some days, <laughs> but we are more in this consulting role. And one of the things I like to remind my parents of is to be a consultant, you have to be consulted. 
So some of that is that takes the wind out of a lot of codependence, codependent sales. Like, damn it. I mean, that's one of the like main things I help moms with with codependency. I'm like, did they ask for your advice? Because that's like, say your daughter comes home and she's crying and so-and-so, you know, didn't let her sit next to her or passed a note that said this or posted this on Instagram. And she's, you know, really upset. You know, is she saying, mom, what should I do? Like, are those words coming out of her mouth? Uh, Usually not. You know, she's just having an emotional experience. And so we get to just be that supportive staff there. And we get to, you know, in our faith parenting mindset where we're like, oh gosh, this is hard. Okay, honey, tell me more. That is very different than her coming home and saying, you know, like Louise didn't send her, like didn't do whatever, like didn't let her sit next to her at lunch and us going into our fear mindset of like, oh my gosh, something's wrong and starting to give advice. I'm like, well, you know, I know that Louise, like you saw her mom, you know, like (laughs) that just doesn't (laughs) go well (laughs) from your daughter's standpoint, because what she then isn't allowed is a a safe place to feel her feelings of what, and figure out like how to manage and regulate herself, nor problem solve on her own. Like if we rush in and we're like, well, you know, did you see what you're wearing? Like, it could be that you're in that green sweater and I told you what green looks like. And and then they get like angry towards us and they've completely lost the idea of what's going on. Um, So I think this is a helpful time for me to speak to the, um, because I talk about parents of teens having jobs and it is like, yeah, it gives like much more concrete detail as to what we want to be doing as parents of teenagers and preteens. And it really starts around nine to 11. So we have three jobs as parents. And one is to keep them safe. Two is to create guidelines slash boundaries for the house. And three is to let them feel their feelings. So those are our jobs. Our team's job is to, they have two jobs. One, to push against our boundaries. (laughs) That's that individuation to see who they are. And two, to learn how to regulate as many feelings as they can. So in Mm. practice, like in theory, you're hearing that you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Like we're going to like, like we need to keep them safe. We need to set up these, you know, guidelines for our house. and, And we, you know, we get to let them feel their feelings. In reality, that's where it can feel really uncomfortable. So an example of this is to keep kids safe. So for me, like to keep kids safe, boundaries, and let kids feel their feelings. One of the boundaries I had in my house, boundaries or guidelines. Another word for boundaries is like guidelines for how we want to be treated. So for me, I had a guideline in my house that I wouldn't be yelled at. Like I have a guideline in relationships, I won't be yelled at. And so I had that boundary and my kids, maybe they come home, they're really upset. Maybe I say, so keeping them safe, I say, you know what? I know that you really want to go to that party, but I don't allow you to go to parties where parents, like that's just a guideline for me. Again, another guy, like I don't let you go where there aren't any parents at the house. So my boundary, we don't go to parties with parents not around. Okay. That's back to like keeping them safe. That's my idea. And then I sit back and let them feel their feelings. So I've had this experience probably with at least three of my sons. I have yet to have a kid that's like, oh, that makes sense, mom. Okay, I get it. You know, they are like, what? You know, and they just feel their feelings. They just are yeah. like, you know, you're the worst mom ever. You're ruining my, you know, life. You're all the things come out. And if I, in that place, am in this sort of like, as Dr. Shafali says, like this egoic place where I'm like making it about me, like, don't talk to me that way. Don't do this. I'm not allowing them to feel their feelings. Now I can have guidelines where you don't yell at me. It's like, hey, buddy. Like, I totally get that you're upset here, but let's not yell. Like, what are some other things you could do when you're upset? Or I'm just letting them feel their feelings. Mm -hmm. So that is super important. Another example that might be helpful is the cell phone (laughs) comes up a lot. So a guideline for me in my house, Yeah, the kids, until they left my house, it was, you know, cell phones are parked down. We had the bedrooms were on the second floor and we plugged our cell phones in at night downstairs and each kid at a different time, depending on their age. But you know that we, and that's another thing we had bedtimes in our house until they graduated because keeping them safe. That's one of my guidelines. Like that's one of my jobs as a parent. So I know sleep is important. So I'm not like, Oh, they're 17. They'll figure it out. I'm like, no, sleep is important. So here's your bedtime. That's my, so we have our keeping them safe. We have the guideline. We're going to put the phone downstairs at night, say at nine or 10, whatever the time is that you've decided on. And then I let them feel their feelings. So it is, and, and the calmer and more compassionate I can be, it's that lovingly detached place. 
where I can sort of get with curiosity with my kid, like, you know, when they're like, oh my God, but I was in the middle of texting my girlfriend. What are you talking about? It's 10. Like, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, I get it. That stinks. You know, I'm so angry at you. I'm like, yeah, I totally would probably be angry with me too. Like, I really, I, I, there's nothing wrong with your feeling. Like I, and so just letting them feel their feelings in that way, not trying to fix it, not trying to talk them out of it. I mean, that's the job of parenting, parenting teens at this age. And to not have an emotional reaction is so stinking hard. (laughs) So so one of the things that helps going in to making boundaries or guidelines for our families, and this is one of the things I think I also pitched you on in a podcast episode and like the assumptions we make as parents that get us in trouble, because Mm -hmm. if our expectation is that, you know, when I tell my kid that we're going to plug our cell phone in downstairs at, you know, 10, if my expectation is that they're going to be like, okay, mom, great idea. I get it. Like, you don't want the raise by my head. Peace out. You know, that is setting us up for trouble (laughs) versus if our expectation and I tell parents a couple assumptions, like one expect resistance, like expect them to not like that. First of all, that's their stage. They need to push against, you know, Mm -hmm. even if like it's parents will notice if they're not yet in this stage of development, they will notice kids picking fights over the craziest things. Like say you're like, we're going to have chocolate cake every night for dessert. I guarantee. And I can think of myself. <laughs> he would argue that he'd be like, that's ridiculous. We should have it every other night. That's him individuating that. And mm-hmm. me just being like, wow. Okay. This is his, and I, it's not that I'm a doormat. Like I'm not allowing him to, you know, swear at me or yell at me or whatever my sort of guidelines are for how I want to be treated. Right. But it is a, I'm expecting that pushback. Another yeah. assumption we make that gets us into trouble is that we think the kids have to understand our guidelines or our boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I'm using guidelines and boundaries synonymously. So say we have the boundary and I did have the boundary that I did not buy alcohol for my kids. Like I would not buy alcohol or supply it in my house for my own reasons. So say I have that. Sometimes when we get into trouble with, with parents is we, we over explain, we talk to, we're like, because da, 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 and we're trying, what we're trying to, that's sort of codependency there too. Cause we're trying to feel mm-hmm. better about saying something that our kid doesn't like. And so then we end up over talking, whereas they don't need, they're just like, I don't need the reason, you know, they just disagree. So we're just going to disagree. They're going to push against us, but here's the guidelines. So the, the assumption that the kid needs to understand or agree, we end up talking too much. And then we lose that connection versus a, you know what, like we're going to the calm, cool, collected mom, we park our cell phones downstairs, you expect resistance and you do not over explain yourself. I said to all of my sons, I said, if you want to know why I totally have reasons for you. And I sort of leave it at that. I think one has come back to me now that he's moved out of the house and he's debating where to put his cell phone, you know, but it's like, while they're in my house, Like no one's been like, why mom? Tell me more, you know? And while they're in my house, what matters to them is the cell can't be up in their room. Okay. You know, they don't like that. And then I get to let them feel their feelings. Such great examples. Oh my goodness. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. 
and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. So you have five pillars of parenting teens. And I feel like the examples that you've just given have probably incorporated some of those pillars. Yeah. Can you talk about the five pillars? Yeah. Um, so I five pillars of parenting teens quickly, but just kindness, curiosity, unconditional love, start over daily, I say, and emotional responsibility. So starting with kindness, kindness is, <laughs> I start with kindness because it is the most important Kindness for ourselves that we're doing the best we can. Kindness is sort of like synonymous with like doing the best we can. So we're doing the best we can. I have yet to meet a mom that's like, I want to screw up my kid. Like, so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, I'm doing that. It's like kindness, mama. Kindness with yourself. Like you're doing like until we know better, we can't do better. So it's just this kindness. We're doing the best we can. Any day is a good day to parent differently. It's all fine. I do want to say the beauty of this time period and what we know from the brains with the kids, there's a lot out there that's like what you do with kids from zero to seven goes deep into those groups. I want to be out there and say, hey, their brains are mushy, little absorbable things until age 25. Like, so we have so much, like say we spent the first seven years yelling and controlling and being like all we, today is a great day to start over. So that kindness for ourselves, kindness for our kids. I love just leading with like, they're doing the best they can. Like, so your kid having a tantrum, you know, even if they're like a 14 year old tantrum or a 16 year old tantrum, or like, like they're doing the best they can. And that sort of kindness and compassion, when we're coming from that, we just sort of soften everything, which leads right into the second pillar of curiosity, which is where I like to be more sort of in my questioning mode, like, hi, I wonder what's going on. You know, so say your kid does come in and they're, you know, or like in the morning, like they're super I, a son who like, I just knew I couldn't really talk to him before school because he was just prickly and like <laughs> woke up a little slower. It was, you know, mm-hmm. if, and it's just, if I'm in my head in the fear place, like, oh my God, something's wrong. Like what's going on? He must be nervous. If I'm just more curious, like, oh, he must have, you know, maybe he's just waking up weird or, or say he comes home from school and is pre- if I'm just curious, like, I wonder what's going on. And I'm in a faith place. I'm like, he'll tell me if he needs me. I'm not like all, you know, in this, something's wrong. Why isn't he talking to me? Do you know, you know, I put everything aside so I could be done with work at this time. And you came home. Why are you not talking with me over? It's like, oh my goodness. So the, the curious for our kids is helpful. Like, I wonder what's going on also for ourselves. Like, what was I modeled as a kid? Like, how am I parenting? Like my parent did what, how might I parent different? You know, all of that. So that's helpful which leads into unconditional love. So unconditional love, I think most parents are like, I unconditionally love my kid. And I just like to push back against that a little because (laughs) unconditional love is really hard. Unconditional love is loving without conditions. So it's loving even when they are snippy, even when they're wearing their socks that they've worn for three days, even when, (laughs) and, and it is this, you know, trying to step back and Like, see, usually it comes up for parents of teens when, when we think they're doing something that's harming to them, like maybe they're not trying out to the soccer team. And if they don't try out this year, then they're never going to get on it. And they're not going to, you know, or they don't have enough friends and they're not, it's coming from this like scarcity, lack, fear place from us. And then we get more like when we're saying that to the, like, shouldn't you invite someone else? Don't you want to go out for, you know, it, it sort of shows up in this like passive aggressive suggestion making, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which kids can see right through. And instead of this, like trying to work with your coach to get through your fear thoughts and shift more into faith that, you know what, they're, everything's just fine. Like, am I keeping them safe? Yes. Do they have less friends than I wish they had? Yes. Are they struggling? Are they, you know, not functioning? No. So maybe that's just who they are and I can unconditionally love them. Maybe my way isn't the right way. That's a hard one for us parents because I really think yes. my way is the right way. But I mean, um, it is, but that's okay if they don't recognize it yet. <laughs> so pillar four, start over daily, start over multiple times a day. You know, if, if this is just sort of the permission slip that if you do parent in a way that you're not proud of, like, okay, repair, like follow up with your kid in the teen years, 10 to 25 
I think one of the most important things we can model is our humanness and our like, wow, I snipped at you when you, you know, wouldn't walk the dog. I'm sorry. Like I was having a lot going on and I just, you know, I'm going to better manage my whatever, or I'm going to take a breathing break next time. Or I'm like just managing modeling. I'm sorry that we're not perfect. And we do get to start over, like just trying there also with starting over. It is this starting over with parenting, having an open mindset, having, you know, like if we're thinking like, Oh, I know it all. I don't need to learn more. Like I, you know, know everything I need to know as a parent. I mean, if you thought of that, like, you know, say your kids in seventh grade and you heard the math teacher, they're like, no, I'm good. Like I learned up to fourth grade math and I'm good. Like I know what to teach them fourth grade. I don't need any more training. I am fine. You'd be a little concerned. <laughs> so we just, we just want to have some of that open learning mindset with ourselves too in this like, okay. I mean, one of the most toxic thoughts I hear from people in general is just this, like, I know it all. Like I, they may not come out and say that exactly, but like, I know how to do this. And I just like pushing back a little, like, okay, like if you feel calm and and your house is not full of drama and you know, you're having the norm, maybe so, but to just sort of open your mind a little and think of like, do I know the foundations for this next stage? Like, how can I restart? I have a parenting teens class where it's all online. I made it specifically for the busy mom so they can take it at their own time where I go through sort of setting your your house up with fun worksheets and you know how to set up boundaries and all of that that can help parents in that starting over phase. And then the fifth pillar is emotional responsibility which is this understanding that you're responsible for how you feel. You know, there's multiple ways to say that but the message stays the same. It's the emotional intelligence that no one can make you feel upset, angry, sad, disappointed, embarrassed without your consent, including your teen, including your preteen. The thoughts you think create the feelings you feel. Sometimes it's harder than others. So be nice to yourself and, you know, make sure that you're taking breaks. I feel like self-care and, you know, self-care in the way that we talk about it, Sarah, not just like the bubble baths, but self-care and like allowing yourself to take the bubble bath, uh, not the bubble baths, my God, the breathing breaks or the, right. you know, like schedule time out so that your kid might be bored, but you get your run in. It, I feel that that is even more important in the teen years as we're allowing them to push against our boundaries that feels mm-hmm. challenging to our nervous system. And so to just allow for that, to recognize that the way you're feeling is because of the thoughts you're thinking, you know, your teen daughter coming down and part of her job is to push against you. So her saying why your hair looks awful or, you know, your clothes are ridiculous, mom, that, you know, you thinking thoughts like, okay, this is her stage of development and feeling calmer (laughs) is harder in that moment. I do need to say to that point, because I hear from a lot of teen moms, that is an excellent opportunity to um, set some boundaries, like a boundary that I had mom set with their teen daughters is like, please don't comment on my clothes. Like that's an easy, like, please don't comment on my, like, that's something like if, you know, your mother-in-law is always criticizing your clothes, you'd be like, please don't comment on my clothes. So to say that to your daughter, that's a, that's a fine guideline. And it's like, Hey, remember, we don't comment on my clothes that can create a lot less drama and stress around the house too. If her other areas to individuate with you. So those are the the five pillars of parenting. Oh, they're so good. So good. And like such great, um, such great reminders and also like important pieces to be accountable to, which I really appreciate. Um, you just gave some, I want to move into boundaries and guidelines as we get closer to the end of our time here, because you've mentioned this multiple times and you've given some great examples. Do you, so how do we go up? about like, yeah. How do we go about setting those boundaries, deciding what they're going to be? It's interesting in this. So, you know, for in our household, 10 and a half year old, it feels like we're always like re-navigating boundaries. Mm -hmm. My husband and I every week are like, talk about like, what about YouTube or like, what about Mm -hmm. like, it's just a lot. And it feels like it's a lot is always up for negotiation. Mm. The child who loves to negotiate things. And so, um, yeah, any guidance on boundaries, because I don't feel like this is going to get easier or better from 10 and a half on. I think we're just like, yeah, well, and this is where like I, the first unit, my parenting teens class online has three units. And the first one is we literally sit down. And if your husband is a, it's wonderful when both parents can do it together and you 
just spend five minutes to think of what the actual guidelines slash boundaries that you want for your house are. And the less, the better, you know, some of them, like in terms of tech use, that's something where I just look at like, how can it, I'm always looking like, how can I make things easier for parents and parent, you know, in a household with a teen. And so that would be somewhere where I look for something like the device bark that sort of manages all platforms so that icky stuff isn't coming in there. But having a guideline that, you know, we talking about porn with kids would be a guideline where you say like, you know, we do not support you looking at porn. It is dangerous. We can tell you the reasons why, you know, you're going to see it. You know, but it's more, I just said it's dangerous. And I just want to clarify that, that I will say to kids, like you're going to see it and you're going to be enticed to see it. But what's dangerous is what it does is setting you up for your relationship. So my sons have said that's been very helpful for them that like, it might like be interesting or feel good to look at, but ultimately you're making it harder for yourself and relationships in the future. And so, you know, just sort of having that guideline to your bigger question, how do we set guidelines? How do we set boundaries with kids? Parents need to do the sort of, you know, active parenting ahead of time and come up with what are some boundaries and guidelines for our kids and to keep them smaller and and less, less is better than more. And I lead you through that really well in the parenting teens class. It ultimately, what I want people to focus on is it is just sort of guidelines for how your house to be run. It might feel overwhelming if we're thinking it's overwhelming, like there's so many and what are we going to do? But, mm-hmm. you know, when we get down to it and we, we take the time, overwhelm leads to, you know, just, you just sort of are like swirling in your thoughts and you're not doing anything. So I like to try to cut out of that and be like, it's not that like sit down and write it out and brainstorm out. And if you have 40 things you brainstorm out, then you look at them and you're like, oh, actually this one is, you know, like, which are our like, will not move from here. Those are the ones you want and the ones that you foundational. Yeah. So it's a little, it's not as hard as we're thinking it is, but the hard part is, is the setting it and then upholding it. So because if we are not using the jobs that we know as a parent, that our job is to set the boundary and let them feel their feelings. Sometimes when they go to feel the feelings, we think, oh my God, this is wrong. Like this is like, and we feel that nervous system reaction. My kid doesn't like me, which feels really hard. Okay. And then we back down from the boundary. We're like, oh, okay. You can have the cell phone in your room or, oh, okay. You can go to that party or, oh, okay. You can buy the, you know, shoes or that's unhelpful. So it is really helpful to recognize that like, we need to set the boundary clear, concise, less words, the better, and then let them have their emotion. If that part of it isn't that different, then, you know, having our toddler at, at a toy store and we go into Target and we're like, hey, we're not buying any toys today. You know, we're going in to get a gift for your cousin. And then your kid throws a fit. And, you know, if he's just like, I want it, I want it, I want it. And the 14th time you give it to him, that's not upholding your boundary. But if you're just right. like letting him have, you're just like, of course you want it. I would want it too. Like, I get it. Like, this is a really cool Lego pack. Like, my gosh. And how do you feel frustrated? What do we do when we're frustrated? Stomp. What do we not do? Hit mom. Okay. (laughs) You know, that's like back to the jobs that we're teaching as teens too. So it is, you know, I do want to, one thing that helps for a lot of parents because it can feel overwhelming. And that is a really unhelpful place for parents to be in because when we are feeling overwhelmed, we either get to the really rigid parenting of like, it must be done this way and sort of authoritative. And that feels, that doesn't feel good as a parent. It's like very tight and restrictive. Or we go all the other way to the like, the effort, like whatever, it's fine. They'll be fine. Like other people are doing this. And, and what we want is someplace in the middle. So I talk about roller coaster bar parenting. Like when you get on a roller coaster, most people have been on a roller coaster. First thing you do is you pull the bar towards you. And if you pull it towards you and it's too tight, you're like, ah, okay. Like that feels uncomfortable. You know, so that's the kid with like the authoritative, like everything has to pass by, like everything must be checked with mom. Very next thing you do is you push against it. If it goes all the way to the ground, that's equally uncomfortable. And right. and so what we want is that middle ground. So the kid that is like, oh, mom's, I mean, mom's fine. Like nothing, it doesn't matter. Like mom doesn't care when I come home from school or if I, you know, I get her credit card. There are no limits. There are no, like any of that. That doesn't feel good to them. Okay. Nor does the like, no, you can spend, you know, $2 every other Thursday and you must wear what I want you to wear that piece of stuff. So we just want to be aware of all of that. Oh, that totally makes sense. That 
is so helpful. Oh my goodness. You have given us, I feel like so many great tools to walk away with a lot of mindset shifts. And for me, like a much clearer sense of direction and boundaries. Mm, (laughs) Um, So helpful. I love all this so much, Susie. I know there's going to be a whole lot of people who are like, okay, I need more. I need more Susie in my life. Where can people find you, connect with you and get your resources and get the codependency quiz? Yeah. Well, the codependency quiz is, I'll give you that link. So you can put that in the show notes. I put a special, you know, top two things you must know about parenting preteens together for your listeners that can be found at my website, which is smbwell.com slash Sarah, S-A-R-A. Oh, yeah. And then I have a podcast. Yeah, there you go. I have a podcast, the Love Your Life Show where I, you know, it is my job to come on there and provide tips and tools every week that will help parents. Really, if you are moving into this stage of parenting with preteen and teen, one of the most important things you can do is bring the focus back to yourself. When our kids were younger, we had to have the focus on our kids because we literally were keeping them alive. Like we literally were responsible for their food. But then if we continue that and the focus solely on them, not only do we lose ourselves, so then when you're in my age and in empty nest, you're like, wait a minute, what am I? That you know, but we also end up sort of overparenting and 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 stifling our kids. So it it is a great my podcast is going to help you find a lot of topics around all the things that are going to help you be your best self and and love your life. That's I why I put it out. Yes. I love it. So good. I want everyone to go subscribe. So I want people to go get the tips just for shameless moms. If they go to smbwell.com slash Sarah, we'll link to the codependency quiz here in the show notes. We'll link to the podcast in the show notes, and then we'll link to all your social as well. Oh my goodness. Susie, thank you so much yeah, for being here. So Final sweet. question for you. How are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Shameless mom. I am currently showing up as a shameless mom by pushing against guilt whenever I feel it. Now, when I feel the feeling of guilt, instead of, I used to have it sort of linked with I'm doing something wrong. And now in my brain, I'm retraining it to be linked with I'm pushing against old conditioning. And that is a way I'm trying to help people see too, that like, just because you're feeling guilt doesn't mean you've done something wrong or you need to do something different. It means that you're pushing against your old conditioning you might be, you know, in a great period of growth, (laughs) a growth opportunity arriving, but really trying to push back against that mom guilt, woman guilt, Susie guilt, been a part of me. Love it. (laughs) I love it. So good. So good. Very relatable. Thank you. So Susie, so much for being here, for joining us so early in the morning. I've loved watching the sun reflecting through your window with like started off kind of pink and then kind of orange. And now it's like super bright. So go enjoy your, there's a bus sun out day. there so you could like see the people jogging by. Yeah, I know. It's so yes. funny. Oh my gosh. I loved it. It was so fun. I felt like I was like kind of in Australia with you waking up the day, bringing the energy to you yes. and all your shameless moms out there. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Susie so much. I so appreciate you and the work thank that you're you. doing in the world. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
no one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.